0: This Magic the Gathering podcast and many more can be heard online at
1: mannerdeprived.com/podcasts. Leave a comment and tell us what you think. Let's go, Michael J. So, I want to lead in with a contextually relevant oldie but goodie from April the 6th, 2007. I think you'll find by the end of this article where the contextual relevance is coming from, but then I want to switch gears in the second half of this podcast. Okay. To talk about something else, which maybe you'll figure out by that Yeah? All right. Ready rock? So, we're just going to dive in? We're going we're, we're straight in. All right, here Head we go. Head first. Into so what, concrete. What article is this? Bits and pieces: the traits of a great deck designer. I haven't had a lot of time to play around in the forums the past couple of months. Here are some responses to some of the posts from cutting off the end game. Peza, I really like train of thought. We actually played all four in Steve's deck at PT Charleston, where it was actually kind of not that great. As you said. Train of thought is kind of uncounterable. I don't think it's right in the blue-white deck, though, because unless you are cycling on the second turn, which is still a fine move, by the way, it's usually worse than An Chronicler. Chats. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Dan P. Dan P. is Dan Paskins, who is a, a brilliant mono-red deck designer. Mm-hmm. I would say he's in the top five of the mono-red deck designers of all time, I think. And I especially in this era, I very much uh, admired him, and even me and P. Sully would like go to him, hey, we get the Dan Paskins seal of approval All right. this. he's some uh yeah, Placed repeatedly highly in, in English nationals, UK nationals. Um, I believe he coined the term red deck wins.
2: Mm, so.
1: okay. Dan P. I have been thinking about this quite a bit. Anytime Paskins talks about stuff, red deck or no, but especially red decks, I try to pay attention, because I think he is one of the most talented people in the world at thinking about magic, and also knowledgeable. Therefore, I feel like if Dan poses a problem, then finding the solution could be useful to me, or whoever. In case you haven't read Dan's forum post, I'll summarize. He called into question the so-called invasion block rule that states when two red decks fight, that is, decks with burn endgame, the more aggressive deck is favored. It's intuitive because the faster deck starts with more life, whereas the slower deck has to use its burn to kill creatures, rather than building up a big burn hand for the endgame. Dan's counterexample was Price Pacifico from U.S. Nationals 1998, where Dave's archetype Dead Guy Red put Andrew's red deck away with ease and great speed. Surely then, this cannot be a general rule. Notice how awesome the structure of Dan's argument is, by the way. He uses a counterexample from Who's the Beatdown? Andrew Pacifico, four ball lightning, one
0: goblin vandal, Four jackal pup, four mog fanatic, four mog flunkies, three Susquata lancer, two Vishino, Sandstalker. three curse scroll, four fire blast, four incinerate, four shock, two sonic burst, seventeen mountain, four wasteland, sideboard, three mog maniac, three Rawls disk, three price of progress, three pyroblast, three spell shock, David Price, four ball lightning, four fire slinger. Four Iron Claw Orcs, four Jackal Pup, four Mog Fanatic, four Curse Scroll, four Fire Blast, two Hammer Abogarden, four Incinerate, four Shock, one Sonic Burst, 17 Mountain, four Wasteland, Sideboard, four Bottle Gnomes, three Dwarven Miners, one Dwarven Thaumaturgus. Thaumaturgus. <laughs> Uh, one Firestorm for Pyroblast, one Torture Chamber,
1: one Shattering Pulse. And to be fair, Dave Price did demolish Andrew Pacifico. I watched that match live. I was in the room
2: when uh, it was happening. This was pretty troubling.
1: Up against Paskins in a theory fight? Who could be scarier? Cuneo? Nah. Andrew and I are largely on the same page. Never happened. I racked my brain trying to figure out how to beat him. Dave won quickly. I wish they had the old footage up in the tournament center. I check they don't. It's been almost 10 years now, but I remember that fight. Dave took control with his burn and curse scroll. But if I remember correctly, he won nice and quick with fire blasts along his curse scroll. Also, I don't know if it is a violation of the general rule. Because for their burn endgames to be similar, Pacifico would have had to draw his standard 1998 equivalent of Gitu fire after opening up ahead, head. But I think Dave had curse scroll and relevant fire blast advantage on virtue of his draws. One big problem for Pacifico was that even if he was close to winning a game or two, he kept top-decking randoms instead of being able to burn Dave out once the King of Beatdown had first scroll online. A. Cunio. Any guess on who A. Cuneo is? Andrew Cunio. Andrew, I totally understand your reservations. I haven't had time between Monday and now, but rest assured, I will conscript one of my capable enough minions to playing draw new Old and New, versus the Snowdip. Sometime before regional. Figure. What is that, by the way? The snow side advantage is not just on threat exhaustion, though I think that your proposed plan of defensive repeal is not a great bet against a deck of 30 plus mods. That aspect just makes it difficult for Draw New to actually win. Snow also actually wins. It harasses with Oren Viper, Car Valkyrie, what have you, drawing tons of extra snow. Andrew, you were the one who taught me. If you play a relevant spell every turn, the counter decks eventually run Snow actually gets extra and hits a lot. The following is something that I've been thinking about for seven years. I actually want to write an article modeling the different perspectives on what makes the best deck, which is really interesting in how diverse it is when you pull Bueller versus V versus Adrian and others. However, I think each of several positions says something about process. I am big on process and magic and any logical endeavor. Zvi has taught me a lot about magic and gaming in general. One of the most recent things he taught me is that there's a big difference between his definition of right and a dilettante's definition. For example, say you win a game or win a tournament with a particular rogue deck. More likely than not, you were right. If you didn't win the game or you didn't win the tournament or make top eight, punted in the finals, what have you, does that mean your positioning was wrong? Was it wrong when John Shuler played a black-green anti-rebel deck at Pro Tour New York 1999 and played versus zero rebel decks? I've actually taken this to heart, which is why I position so many different odd-looking linears. It doesn't actually matter if you win or not. I mean, it matters. We play to win. But it has no one-to-one bearing as to whether you were right. So there is a correlation. Being on the right side of a bet is being on the side that has the most value, even if that value doesn't necessarily mean or favor. Think about it like this. If there is a deck that has a positive expectation for top eight, you pick it, obviously. If you don't, you are just handicapping yourself. As far as I can recall, there hasn't been a deck in probably about 18 months that has a positive expectation of top 8 in any format. I'd say the last time was States 2005. Even then, you no longer have that expectation one week after at the LA LCQ. So you have to pick a deck with a non-positive expectation for top 8. Remember, you can be ahead of the field on percentage and still not make top 8 most of the time. So you can pick one of two different decks that approaches a blended limit of between 4 and 3 and 5 and 2 in your predicted metagame, in real numbers. After that, it's another shootout altogether with totally different expectations on account of being different metagame in all likelihood. Which do you pick? There's a lot of skill in answering that question. To make top 8, you have to play well and be on the 5 and 2 side of the 4 and 3. Then you have to get a little lucky. I know that we might look different on implication... I'm sorry different on implementation to a dilettante. But Zvi and I are on the same page with regards to design and positioning principles. I know this because I use Zvi's principles, (laughs) which are much better than the pseudo-math or pet deck principles that most other alleged top designers use. They are the exact same principles John follows. I know this because working with John on our book, I asked him if he agreed with a particular statement, and he looked at me like I was some kind of moron for asking the question. John can't actually see the wrong answer most of the time and becomes either confused or downright irate when confronted with the suboptimal, which I think offends him. So I said, obviously. It was about the same kind of rolling eyes look that I got when I drafted Mortify over Shrieking Grotesque and confirmed the pick with him while we made decks. Anyway, here are some principles that I admire in other deck designers. I'm good at some things that aren't on the list and some things that are, but never mind. Just read the list. The top eight traits
0: of great deck designers number eight. Identifies the most broken card for a format.
1: This is the most basic thing a player has to be able to do before he can be considered an elite deck designer. In some formats, there are multiple broken cards. It's a mark of great ability to identify which broken card is the broken card of choice, the card that trumps other broken cards. For example, at Pro Tour New York nineteen ninety nine, when Chapin claims to have built the best deck, I think of the tournament. I'll put the title in Zvi's hands for the first time. I had a spicy black-red Yawgmoth swell deck. I won five game ones and only two matches. The other person who played my deck, then reigning European champion Sterla Bingen, finished top 32, losing a lot of close matches to bad luck. I thought my deck was one of the best ones in the tournament, but Randy Bueller and Brian Schneider, two people with respectable opinions, especially the less famous one, said that I picked the wrong broken card. Reasonable arguments could have been made for either Tinker or Fluctuator. Just want to note we were going over the uh, Brian Hacker article mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. St- he mentioned Sterla Bingham who uh, made top eight of uh, Richard Paris. So I it all together. <laughs> Sterla's a good guy.
0: All right. Uh, ID19 by Zvi Moschwitz.
1: So ID is uh, I draw 19. I draw 19. Okay. Okay. So ID19 was. Uh,
0: four Yagmoth's bargain, four vampiric tutor, four dark ritual, one Yagmoth's will, three show and tell, three turnabout. 1 Rescind, 4 Delusions of Mediocrity, 4 Mox Diamond, 4 Grim Monolith, 4 Key, 1 Blaze, 4 City of Brass, 4 Underground River, 4 root water Depth, 4 Crystal vein, 4 City of Traitors. Sideboard, 3 Defense Grid, 1 Boil, 1 Lay of Day, 1 Chill, 2 Dread of Night, 2
1: Disenchant, 1
0: Art- Articar Wastes, 1 Lobotomy, 1 Energy Field, 1
1: Parish, 1 Masticore. I think this is the deck that most exemplifies this principle of top-flight deck design. Zvi saw Yagma's bargain in the Urza's Destiny spoiler, declared it utterly broken when other people were clamoring about a twice-as-expensive Necropotence, then declared he was going to break the card so badly it would have to be banned, or in the alternative, make top eight of U.S. national. Check, check, check. However many checks there were, Zvi penciled them in.
0: 7. Breaks the most broken cards in the format in the most
1: broken possible way. This is a distinction that Randy Bueller overlaid over previous as an attempt to define the best deck for a format. Randy is old school. The best decks play the best cards. The best deck plays the best card. For when the best card can be played in more than one deck, the most broken application of the said card is by definition the best deck. A specific example, and one I'm going to use here, is Trix versus Skull Catapult versus Free Spell. The best card in the format was clearly Necrobotes. All three decks played Demonic Consultation. Free Spell had just won the Pro Tour, beating Skull Catapult on the way. Skull Catapult. Good deck. The difference between Trix and Skull Catapult was they were both broken combo decks. Trix could defend its combo, whereas all the poor Skull Catapult could do was demolish people too stupid to be playing Necropotence. Tony Dobson taught me that while on his Skull Catapult roll. Tony also said that Trix was the best on account of playing all the best cards in the format, not just Necropotence but Duress, Dark Ritual, Demonic Consultation, Monovolt, and Force of Will. So there was an intersection of multiple definitions. Just to note, Tony Dobson was actually the guy who top-aided with Skull Catapult. He actually, he defected to Tricks later. He's just like, oh, yeah, I just top-aided a Pro Tour. My deck is like this utterly broken turn-two kill deck. It's nowhere near the best implementation. of. It's like the third best implementation of Acrobats you could play. So he defected. Right.
0: Tricks, Rob Dottery and Darwin Castle, credited to Michelle Bush. 4 Dark Ritual, 4 Mana Vault, 3 Vampiric Tutor, 4 Demonic Consultation, 4 Duress, 4 Necropotence, 4 Force of Will, 4 Donate, 4 Illusions of Grandeur, 2 Hoodwink, 4 Underground Sea, uh, 4 Underground River, 4 Gemstone Mine, 1 City of Brass, 3 Island, 7 Swamp. Sideboard, 4 Contagion, 4 Phyrexian negator 2 Mana Short, 2 Hoodwink,
1: Three hydro blast there were many trick stacks to come after but at essentially the debut tournament combining necropotence with the well-known illusions of grandeur plus donate combination i even played against a non-necro version at the preceding pro tour both rob and darwin made top 16 if not top eight all their first turns went something like this swamp dark ritual necropotence force of will you force of will back what what tech does this 40 and 0 again 6. Finds short-term solutions to common
0: problems. Replenish by Zvi Mushwitz. 11 Island, 8 Plains, 4 Articar Wastes, 2 Marble Diamond, 1 Sky Diamond, 3 Brainstorm, for Replenish, 4 Attunement, 4 Parallax Wave, 4 Parallax Tide, 4 Opalescence, 3 Seal of Cleansing, 1 Energy Field, 4 Enlightened Tutor, 3 Counterspell. Cyborg, 4 Wrath of God, 3 Erase, 1 Seal of Cleansing, 1 Circle of Protection Black, 1 Circle of Protection Red, 1 Meek Stone, 2 Ring of Gix, 1 Marble
1: Diamond, 1 Cursed Totem. For one-shot tournaments like a Pro Tour, there's either you've got it or you don't. But matchups between the best decks are often in flux in established metagames. For example, at Regionals 2000, the best deck on value was clearly Napster, and the other best deck was Replenish. The great players did well with Replenish, but at Mass, it can't possibly have a positive expectation of Top 8 which didn't handicap Napster on account of rogue, underrepresented, and by definition, the best value. More on why this is mathematically true. At regionals, Replenish had a slight edge over Napster, but it was a near coin flip. Once Napster innovated Stronghold Cabal, it had a clear 3-to-1 edge over Replenish. Few Replenish players really understood how to cope. Coming into U.S. Nationals 2000, Zvi understood these variables and put Replenish on number one. Trinity on a close number two and didn't consider Napster a viable option for him. He saw two big moves in the metagame. The overpopularity of Trinity and the shift in the metagame towards red to compensate. Haha, dead elf era, It made the short term shift adding one energy field to the main. Trinity previously had the edge over replenish. But versus one energy field, replenish one nearly 90% of the time. If the opponent did not have creeping mold or elvish lyrist main, he would. In deference to John, Zvi added Ring of Gix to the sideboard. By the way, when I say Zvi in this section, I mean Zvi, Northeast Regional Champion Cyan Bhattacharya, and Evil Don Lim working in concert on the other side of neutral ground from our heroes Finkel, Flores, and Owens. Cyan finished 10th on Bad Luck at After Nationals, the Replenished Gang moved Ring of Gix to the main. Notice how ingenious these solutions are. Energy Field makes life difficult for the Red Deck. Essentially, time walks repeatedly unless they are a Ponza variant. It allows Replenish to force an impossible-to-lose long game against Trinity almost all the time. Replenish won't present, and Trinity can't close. All of a sudden, it will be too late. Ring of Gix is the best of all the measures because it counters Stromgald Cabal and is a 3. All of Napster's threats are 3s, and the only real answer to Ring of Gix is powder keg. What a mess. Now, most solutions of this sort don't last. Think Fortune Thief at Champs 2006. They don't have to last. The goal is to create a legacy for your infant. The goal isn't to create a legacy for your infantile pet deck. The goal is to have the most value you can for one tournament and create your legacy by showing the world how clever you are. Five defies expectation. This principle is slippery, like a freshly caught halibut that you are about to slice open and get romantic on if you are a character in Garth Ennis' comic. It's hard to pin down, but not that hard to point at, even if it's flopping about. One way to discuss this principle is how it intersects with numbers 7 8 above. Look at this innovative wonder build by Andrew Cunha: Four Counterspell, four Dissipate, four Dismiss, two Power
0: sink, two Argivian Restoration, three Capsize, four Whispers of the Muse, four Steel Golem, two Dancing Scimitar, two Disrupting Scepter, 4 Nevenroll's Disc, 3 Mindstone, for Quicksand, 1 Winding Canyons, 3 Sivanulite Fis- uh, Temple, four, uh, uh, 14 Island. Sideboard, 1 Amber Prison, 1 Essence Bottle, 2 Jester's Cap, 3 Dream Tides, 4 Hydro Blast, 2 Night of the Mists, 1 Rainbow Efreet, 1 Steel
1: Artifact. Believe it or not, this deck, which features numerous imprint cards that you would never consider playing, is one of the most innovative and important decks in the history of construct Andrew identified multiple elements, good cards that had drawbacks. Have you ever fought two Steel Golems? Perhaps you have not sat across from the right number of windings or are given restorations. Our given restoration was great with Nevernoral's disc too, but it was the capsize combo that really offended the people who read disc the way most people used to read Boom Four gets the mana right. I have no greater respect for a designer than getting them. We can actually cheat now because of all the Ravnica options, but back in the day with the horrible pre-onslaught sacrifice duels, gemstone lines, cities, and all of them, that was hard. Part of the reason we played so many 1 and 2 color decks is that we weren't smart enough to get them.
0: Kathy Nikoloff, 5 color green, 4 Quirion Ranger, 4 Granger Guildmage, 4 Riverboa, 4 Whirling Dervish, 1 Karoo Meerkat, 2 Jewel Royale Centaur, 3 Four Birds of Paradise, two Armor of Thorns, four Incinerate, four Arcane Denial, two Disenchant, one Armageddon, two Terror, three Winter Orb, four Undiscovered Paradise, three City of Brass, nine Forest. Sideboard, for Hydroblast, four Pyroblast, two Gloom, two Terror, one Disenchant, two Samoon. Dude, check out that sideboard.
1: <laughs> That's crazy. Hydroblast, Pyroblast, Gloom, Samoon, Disenchant, Terror, like... Four Pyroblast, four Hydroblast, two Gloom, two Samoon. Like, oof. Kathy Nikoloff won a regional championship with a deck designed by Matt Place and numerous strong. Look at this mana. Crazy, right? Five colors. One kind of basic. 16 lands. Three cities? EDT had a lot to say about this strat. Part of it was she couldn't overcommit versus control. She didn't have enough land. She had enough mana with Ranger Tricks and Birds of Paradise to do what she had to do, especially with a Winter Orb force the opponents to lay out all his mana, Pop the Geddon. Five color green really was a surprisingly difficult deck to beat for both Control and most creature decks. Three wins the mirror match. A uh, CMU
0: Blue by Eric Lauer. Four for Spike. Four Counterspell. Three Mana Leak. One Memory Lapse. Three Forbid. Two Dissipate. Four Dismiss. Four Impulse. Four Whispers of the Muse. One Rainbow Freet, Four Nevinral's Disc. Four Quicksand. Four Stocking Stones. Eighteen Islands. Sideboard four wasteland for hydroblast for sea sprite to capsize one steel artifact Bueller Blue Randy Bueller Four Fairy Conclave Sixteen Island 4 Stocking Stones for Wasteland Three Masticore or Counterspell for Dismiss Four Forbid Four Mana Leak One Miscalculation Four Powder Keg Four Treachery Four Whispers of the Muse Sideboard Four Annoll One Capsize Three Chill Three Legacies of one master core, two Maze of Shadows, one Stroke of Genius. These
1: two decks, by the famous teammates, consecutive Blue Monsters of the 1998-1999 World Championship, better exhibit a focus on winning the mirror match than any other decks, maybe in the history of Magic. Eric's deck had 26 lands main and could add four. He never missed a land drop in it. Never presented for permission, slowly and methodically commanded the tempo. He won on land. Could stop his opponent from the same with sideboard or wastelands. Randy changed the paradigm of blue and how it was perceived at the time. In 1999, most players tried to get card advantage from Thieving Magpie. It was quite a leap to remove that card. Randy's card advantage started on dismiss. Once again, Team CMU operated with a million mana. The mere shift in not tapping on his own turn for card advantage gave Randy the edge. In the middle. dismiss your Magpie, wow! The beat down. Two strips to the Germ, Gabriel Nasif, 19 Mountain.
0: 2 Forgotten Cave, 4 Stalking Stones, 4 Dwarven Blast Miner, 4 Arc Slogger, 1 Rorix Blade Wing, 4 Electratic Bolt, 4 Pyroclasm, 4 Shatter, 4 Stone Rain, 4 Molten Rain, 4 Lay Waste, 2 Demolish, Sideboard, 4 Culling Scales, 4 Flash Fires, 2 Oblivion Stone, 3 Pulse of the Forge, 2 Demolish.
1: This deck is absurd! It's It's, like, it's so beautiful! There's so much skill worked into this deck, it's almost impossible to describe. I considered playing it at Regionals 2004. rabbits the list from Gabe. It was too chicken shit to get the LD ver- uh, versus Skullclamp. To give you an idea of how stripped down this deck is, its default would have been to play about 26 lands and 4 Starstorms. Gabe cut all the Starstorms. He picked the right tool for the right job within the framework of his archetype. You can see the core. You can see Panza. The details, the rough numbers around the edges, the maximum number of electrostatic bolts main, are the gutsy moves that makes this different from what any lesser mage built. One kills his
0: darlings: four Skirk prospector, four goblin Sledder. four goblin pile driver, four goblin war chief, four goblin sharpshooter, four siege gang commander, four shrapnel blast, four skull clamp. Three click slither. One Sparksmith, four Chromox, four Great Furnace, four Blink Moth Nexus, 12 Mountain. Sideboard, four Shatter, three Sparksmith,
1: two Electrostatic Bolt, two Furnace Dragon, four Molten Rain. I wish I had the stones to do what Dan Paskins did with this deck. For PT Charleston, one of the big limitations we put on ourselves was to play with four Savage Twisters, the Beth strath in the format. When the team that finished first was brave enough to cut and Hierarch, Concess' best card of the format. Defining the best decks is sometimes, sometimes, about cutting the card that you would never, ever consider cutting, a card you consider part of the germ of a deck. Dan cut Jem Palm Incinerator, a staple second only to Goblin Warchief, that held the floppy, funny book that was Goblins Together in lieu of Shrapnel Blast, and put in just enough artifacts to be able to time walk with. Jem Palm Incinerator was so fundamental Non goblins exploit, and one ProTorse. Here's another. Before I go on to this list,
0: I know where you're going with this, and I have an example that I want to bring up when we talk about this afterwards. Well, I, so. I picked the article for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's another uh, Fujita Anango, three City of Brass, four Wooded Foothills, four Forest, 12 Mountain, four Goblin Sledder, four Sparksmith, four Goblin war chief, four Goblin Sharpshooter, three Goblin Goon, three Click Slither. Four Siege Gang Commander, three... Sorry, four Siege Gang Commander, three Skirt Prospector, four Electrostatic Bolt, four Oxidize. Sideboard, four skull Clamp, four Starstorm, four
1: Naturalize, three Viridian Shaman. All three red decks were from about the same time. All the looks so different. Look at what Tsuyoshi cut. How do you fit Oxidize in your goblins? You slice away... Goblin Piledriver? Driver? Who side's in skull clamp and removal? Let's face it. You can't beat Kenji Samura in a major tournament final with any ordinary plan. I look up old decks and copy them and model my work after the really good ones. The way Surat watched dancers and Sundays in the park, trying to capture what he saw with little dots. These are the deck designers I admire. And the decks that showcase just why it is their decks get copied by me and everyone else as soon as they get posted on the
2: Love. Mike, all right, go, go. So you said you want to talk about something. All right, so I know why you picked this article. So it's this off. past
0: weekend, uh, I have played at the Syracuse Modern Open, but I didn't do well in Modern Day One. Let's not talk about that part though. I actually want to
1: talk about that part first because I think okay sure. idea it's applicable to both both. Okay, ones. so let's 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 so, start with let's start. So there. to begin with, Roman goes in <laughs> playing a Mardu colored burn deck. Yeah, Mardu burn. But has, I'm not going to even blame anybody else because you should own this. He has the asinine idea of cutting Eidolon of the Great Revel, which makes no sense whatsoever. And I'm just talking to him. And let me just give you a parallel idea, okay? Uh, The Modern Open starts on Saturday. The night before, I'm playing at FNM on Friday. And I'm playing Mono Red and Standard. And I, I win my second consecutive FNM. So I'm playing next to some goober, right? Yeah. And he starts criticizing me for playing Mono Red. And I'm so I'm sorry. Right, let's see what this goober's argument is, right? He's just like, well, people who play that deck. are. I'm like, the heck does that mean? He's just, just going to overcommit into the wrath. I'm like, I'm playing against land for funsies, and I'm mm-hmm. like, did you see how I overcommitted into the wrath? And then he was forced to wrath me, and then I landed Hazaret and then he was dead. <laughs> He has, like, no answers, but, like, I overcommitted so that he would do the thing, right? Yeah. Because otherwise he's just dead to my guys. <laughs> All right. Too cocky. Right? Does this thing that he's saying make any sense? Right? Like, like, I was just like, well, I would actually just mold my tactics to, like, my opponent's deck. You know, the situation at hand. You know, maybe I have to switch mid-gear. You know, like... It, like I think of red as being like this flexible strategy. Like I, I feel like half the games I play a control game, half the games I play an aggregate. You know, yeah, a tempo. And I'm not playing the same games. Like I'm like, well, when am I going to use my Kenra? Like, am I just going to play to flashback the Kenra and take a big turn? You know, am I milking a situation where I can land Hazard? Like, there's so many different angles I'm looking at when I'm playing red. It's not just like drop guy, drop guy, shock, shock, attack. All right, like that's maybe a. Horrible way of playing red, but like I think of playing red in this really kind of s- sequential, strategic, methodical way. And he's just like, well, "Mono our deck players are." The stuff you were saying to me had the same level of rhetorical force as mono red players are too cocky. And you were just like, "It's not good in the metagame. Kill your darlings." And you just kept saying, "It's not good in the metagame. Kill your darlings." And I'm just like. But that doesn't make any sense. Like, if you're playing against a storm player, is there a storm player? It's good against him. But like, what if you're playing against a uh, uh, a player with a with dredge, um, not dredge with delve spells? Is it good against somebody who put, loads their graveyard with cheap spells? Yeah, like, is it good in the mirror? Is it like like all these situations? It's great, right? Like, and in fact, I would I wouldn't mind having it just to chump block against Affinity Sometimes there's worse things you can draw, you know. And you're just like, not good in the metagame. Kill your darlings, right? So I'm just like, well, I really respect killing your darlings, if and when it makes sense. Go. Okay, I still think I wasn't, like, completely incorrect. <laughs> okay, so Roman doesn't do well, right? So I just send him the two-by-two the, the two matrix from uh, top left, bottom right, the, that article, uh-huh. the Justice article. Yeah, and he's yeah, just like, yeah. and, and he's just like, oh, no, I did the right thing. I just lost from bad luck. I'm like, you can't even identify that you did the wrong thing. Here's the, here's the thing. This is the argument I would make. Maybe burn wasn't good. Right? Sure. If burn isn't good, maybe the reason that you think Eidolon isn't good is because the reality is burn isn't good. That's a possibility. Right? Mm-hmm. But the right strategy isn't to go in with a burn deck that you've chopped the left foot off and then, like, tied the right arm behind its back. Right? That's not the right way to approach it. Maybe you have to choose a different strategy. Not sure.
2: Not a handicap. Can... The best card in your strategy. Sure. Anyway, let's move. But
1: on. then, but then there's an almost happy ending. Okay, almost so, happy.
0: So this is so this is Saturday night. I like I bombed out of the the open. Didn't make day two. Miles didn't make day two. Oh, oh really? But, so. Miles, So,
1: team, no Eidolons. Miles didn't play, but he didn't play Burn, though. He played Death Shadow. This is the reason why I hated your argument so much. You're just like, Miles, 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 Miles. I'm not taking anything away from Miles. Miles almost won the Classic the second day, right? Yeah. Miles, in fact, top-aided uh, an Invitational last year, right? Playing my 75 Burn deck, by the way, right? He has yet to post even a 50% win percentage in PPTQs since taking Eidolon out of Burn. How could this possibly be like, well, this must be right. That's like results-oriented thinking. First of all, results-oriented thinking is correct, which is what we (laughs) learned in the Justice article. Anyway. People just say these words because they heard a poker player say it, and they don't understand what they mean. We should take the strategy that maximizes our likelihood for the best results. So you're like, oh, well, (sighs) zombies won this tournament. That's results oriented thinking to think zombies has a good matchup against mono red just because it keeps beating it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're saying. You are literally the dude sitting next to me at Eminem. Right, <laughs> you're like, like, like a monkey. Like this isn't. You're better than this. Okay. But you have an almost happy ending. Yes. Yes, I do. You went to the massage parlor. It's okay. so close
0: <laughs> to being a happy ending.
1: Go! Come on! <laughs> right, right. What did we say? So, so Saturday night, I, I see that Dan Ward is 8-1 at GP Minneapolis. So right. Dan Ward, just for some context, he is the progenitor of the Bant Ramp deck that you used to make uh, top eight of a classic the last, in the, the previous the invitational. invitational. Dan Ward, is he made that wonderful uh, Karizev's uh, Expertise uh, re-anim- yeah, reanimator deck that they immediately banned, right? Yeah. like They banned the hell out of his deck like five minutes. This is one of the best most broken you know utilizations of new cards i really admired it but you murdered him like a small child in the finals of the of the of that championship right the re- yes. so you guys have been BFF since we have been BFF since okay uh,
0: so i texted him i saw him, i was like hey can you send me your list i want to win the classic tomorrow so he sends me blue white approach of the second sun i have no I, this deck looked crazy i What's it's a, no creatures, it's a blue-white deck with no creatures, four Blessed Alliance,
1: four four Sensor, three cast out, four Fumigate. So this deck is like, so just from my perspective, yeah. maybe knowing more decks than you, it's like, the main deck, uh, you have lighted Cataract instead of Westvale Abbey, but it's like 55 cards the same as Gabriel Nassif's blue-white deck. From the Protomar. uh it just has three approaches to the second sons instead of four torrential gear hulk, right? Yeah, but it's just the same deck otherwise, right? Like, but you make a good point because Gab's deck has uh, Westvale Abbey, which couldn't create an Ormond doll, but at the very least, you know, you got too many cards in hand, you could spit a, a fatal push at a, at a Westvale Abbey token. But it does, in fact, have four copies of Torrential Gear Hulk, which are a braid, descender's Deliverance, even. You know, it, depending on how you look at it, authority Grass on, of
0: darkness. Bunch, there's a bunch of different.
1: Well, like authority of the council is actually pretty good against that card. Like, def, like they can't like mid combat blocky. You, you yeah. Know, right. Like deck isn't really designed with a lot of, um, you know, harness lightning. Right. It's a mm-hmm. blue white deck, so it can't actually flashback removal very well. Right. It, I guess it can get busted alliance back, but most of it is flashing back just flashing cards. back like Bloomer of genius. Yeah. But it's it's like very close to a sieve stack. Um, it's just. Approach the Second Sons instead of Torrential Gearhulk. But you make a good point, because with Blighted Cataract instead of Westfield Abbey, there are literally no creature removal targets or artifact removal targets. No. Nope. Go. So, okay. Should uh, I go with like Torment Report? Well, no, I would say, let's go from this side. From a killer Darling's perspective. Yeah. Torrential Gearhulk is close to the best card in Standard. It's it's crazy. It right? is, I mean, I'm not sure what the best card in standard is, but it's up there, yeah. right? And you just flash, like block your guy, draw some cards, it's kill like your other guy. Relatively efficient on size to mana ratio, plus has flash. It's typically yeah. worth
0: three or more cards, and it's the control like go to right. Like every blue red control you've seen in standard since like it's been out, it has had three or four,
1: right? Um, well, I mean the, the blue red spells take like only one. Sure. But, yeah, they typically but, play four. It's so yeah. powerful. Our deck had zero.
0: In the main deck. In the, well, you in could the, say,
1: there, there were two copies in you the sideboard. He played a transformational sideboard, yeah. right? Yeah, and
0: and we had, yeah, we had the, the, the um, like, totally transformational sideboard. We had two Linvala, two Regal, Regal Caracol,
1: two Torrential Gearhulk. I mean, the, just, to be, just to be completely fair, this is just Gabe's sideboard, right? His sideboard sure. is like Regal Caracol yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. He obviously can't sideboard two Torrential Gearhulks because they were in his main deck. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, but it is really novel. To uh, take out Tarantula Gear Hulk in favor of Approach the Second Sons. In fact, uh, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, I'm going to an anime convention this weekend. Okay, so you're going to be even nerdiering, nerding yeah. it out than, than than usual. But so you're going to not be in town on Friday night. This so is true. So I'm going to take, I'm going to go for the perhaps unprecedented three-time consecutive FNM championship. Three, three consecutive FMs where I have not, where been where you didn't show, days. right? Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Are you going to try to challenge me? Yeah, so I'm going so to win with your I'm going to literally have your classic 75 in my deck box on Friday when I take <laughs> down this event. <laughs> this is not the best deck. So, I, you are going to have the best deck. RPG. I am confident. Okay. I, in 2009, I called my friend Andre
2: Coember and I said, "Andre, are you going to play in Worlds?" And he said, nah, I, "I'm going to let my pro it's too busy." Okay. He's playing he
1: was playing uh, 50 tables a day at that point, which is a lot of tables. So he was uh, grinding. Uh, he's like a whatever level uh, poker
2: player, like rock. He was just grinding, grinding, grinding. He's like, I'm playing 50 tables a day. Um, I just, I, I said, All right, um, I am 100% sure I have the best deck. It's yours. Okay. On Sunday, I get a phone call from Portugal.
1: I had not been paying attention to the world. I did not look at the world's standings from, like, whenever it started. Like, I just mm-hmm. was busy with life, right? And the phone call I get, and maybe it was Saturday night or Sunday, it was just like, made top eight. I need, I need a sideboard strategy primer. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I called BDM. He's like, yeah, Andre just decided to get a last-minute ticket. You said you had the best deck. He bought it. And, you know... Nine hours later, he's the world champion. Wow. I'm telling you, I'm sure we have this deck. Okay. It. I am very, very certain. Like, when we play red, just, I like red, you know, and I think that I play red well, and that I have a chance to win most of my matchups. I
2: feel like this deck is an overwhelming. And it's not. So. All right. We'll, we'll talk about that later, I yeah. guess. Anyway, not in the episode. Well, yeah,
0: not in on this one. Well, <laughs> not not in on this one. Well,
1: you, you the next one will be your tournament report about winning winning the RPTQ and qualifying for your first pro tour with land, cuz I can get him sick.
0: Anyway, so back to the blue white deck.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh so tournament report. So I get there on I I didn't play any games. I I got all the cards in the hotel room on Saturday night then
1: went to bed. Well, how do you get the cards in the hotel
0: room? All my friends had all the cards for them. Oh, okay. Like my friend just like had all the commons, all the like yeah. random random cards. So,
1: sleeve it up, so, go to bed. Trivia question, right? Yeah. So, um guy called KYT who uh is the uh runner of managedprivate.com, the owner of Facebook. And I was like, "Hey, I want to get all matching bowl lists full art lands." Mm-hmm. So, um they set up the shopping carts that I could cuz like there's just not enough copies, even if they have the copies, right? They're just, you can't order. So I did that. I'm like, well, I, you know, I, I've just been borrowing other people's decks, right? So I bought a full mono-red deck, and I bought a full blue-white deck, and I bought enough cards that I could play either Nasif's deck or your deck, which is there's not that much difference, right? Sure. Like, the main deck is like the purchase of Second Sons versus Torrential Gear Hulk. Whited Cataract versus um, Westville Abbey. And by the way, I'm not sure that Whited Cataract is better than Westville. What do you think about it? Can rivulet? I like it. The mill yourself to get the hit approach. You can also just mill your opponent. We yeah, did yeah, a partners. lot of rivuleting and testing, remember? That's pretty... Remember? We were doing the rivulet a lot in, when we were doing the blue-green testing, right? But the, um, They also had to go more. That's true. All right, so <laughs> I bought both of these decks, and then I just somehow forgot to buy the cards for the deck that I think is... the best. And I've just kept playing. It's really good. All right.
0: Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so I guess tournament report. So round one, I play against red... I got like destroys you. I, no, I got destroyed. <laughs> and you were like, "What the hell did I, I do?" Then I was like, "How do we beat Red? It seems unwinnable." So because I so after the match, I went over and sat with Miles, who's yeah. on Red. He won. He won a mirror match in like ten minutes flat. Yeah, we play like three, like five games. He won. He murders me every single game post sideboard two. All right. So um, so I'm like super low at this point. I'm like, there's no way I can win like this tournament. Like I, you know, I, I can't like I can't. I'm not going to get the points to qualify for the invitational. I'm just like, just super
1: dead. When I flew to Utah the first time to play my mono blue five color dragons deck, Mm. I sat down. My opponent was mono red, right? I had practiced this matchup so much. I was like, I was like, the people I have to beat are Esper Dragons and mono red, and I was sure I could beat them both. I lose a really close match, right? But he just, he has it every time, you know? Yeah. Those games that are so narrow, like, like, ugh, he just, he pushes through on the last turn. Like, I'm about to, like, Bust open the floodgates, but he gets me. And, I, yeah. and I'm sitting there at the end of round one and I'm like, did I really just, I don't know how much it cost me to fly to Utah versus just playing and incur this many thousands of dollars to play a five color mono blue <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm going to go 02
1: <laughs> in Utah. And then, you know, obviously, moral of the story was
2: I, I was. I was um, what happened with your story? So, okay. So then I get paired against Control.
0: Uh, we Ride control, just guy control, uh, and I miraculously win game one. I I didn't know how I did it. I think how many counter spells do they actually have? I don't know, but a lot of the game. I think my, my, I was like fighting over his his gear hulks and like his his manlands, uh, and I was able to
1: like countered my first second son and then I resolved the second one. So let me ask you a different question. Yeah, I was actually in like not a real fight on Twitter today, but like people are like. If somebody Lost legacies me and I'm playing Blue Red, I don't like that, right? Like, I don't... I just don't like that. And they're like, oh, no, it doesn't matter. Like, you... Are you insane? I think if somebody lands a Lost Legacy on you, they're like 75% to win. Like, you have have other... Game one? Yes. You have other kill conditions, right? And I'm like... But, like, they have all their cards. And you have, like, one Scarab God and, like, four Man Lands, right? Like, they can exhaust your stuff. It's not that hard, right? Yeah. like they can just play for a long game, ten your guy, and then transgress it, like you know, like, something like this, right? Yeah. Um. And so, can you win game one by? Can you play to cataract the opponent or only yourself? Only yourself. But can you just win game one by like having more cards in your library? Yeah, just cat- yeah. Like yeah. they, they only have
0: like four gear hulks to actually win, right? Yeah, I think if my opponent, you know, if I if. He, uh... I got to resolve the second, the second approach, and, and win. But I think if I hadn't, say, I, I don't have the second approach or whatever, um, I think I was going to win the game just by having more cards in
1: my library. Yeah, like I think, like, wouldn't you just? I got to fumigate like, f- fumigate. Yeah, their... I got to fumigate like two gear hulks one turn. Like it just seems to me like you just don't have to do
0: anything, right? You just like yeah. I I literally I had a bunch of just like glimmers in my hand. I just had draw go. like I land
1: go for like t- twenty you know ten turns in a row. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't like you. Have, like, a Blessed Alliance, which is not a good card in the matchup, theoretically, just kills a Gear Hulk, right? Like, they, it doesn't matter how many cards they drew. If they drew, like, a sensor and a Supreme Will or something, you have way more than enough mana to just get around their counterspell, right? Like, it's they're just, like, going to be viciously cycling. Yeah. Or, like, you know, a Cast Out gets them. Is there any main deck answer to ca- just Cast Out versus Cast Right? They have, they
0: have Cast Out on their deck. They probably have Cast Out. Yeah. Well, they had Nahiri, I think. I don't know if that was main deck or not.
1: But you can get set. I mean, like, yeah, sure. There's stuff that can be done. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. a planeswalker is actually fairly difficult to deal with. Right? Yeah. You only, and you have, what, zero hard counters? You have one Supreme Will? Something like this? I have, like, I have four Supreme Will. Have four I, I have no hard counters. Yeah. Um, oh, you have four Sensor. Four, yeah, I have four Sensor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I think thief only has one Supreme Will and four Sensor. And I yeah. think, because you have obviously more slot flexibility because you only have three ways to win, and he has like a four. Yes. Yeah. Uh, then
0: game two. Got like he kept the two lander on the play, like I'm all again, Yeah. uh and he got stuck on lands and I hit all my land drops and just like Did you transform? I I didn't bring in the I think I brought I might have brought in the Linvalas, but I didn't bring in the Caracals.
1: But brought in the, the Gearhulks. gear Right. So why does Linvala make? It? Uh I think I'd rather, I think Caracol's more consistent than Linvala. Sure. I mean, first of all, it's cheaper, right? Hmm. Second of all, it does more damage, right? Third of all, it's Positive conditions aren't contingent on the opponent being ahead of you. So, like, you can cast in games that you're I at. I think Linval can,
0: like, more profitably pressure their Planeswalkers, though. Because he had, like, Planeswalkers in his main All game. right, that's fair. Um, I mean, but anyway... I think I would rather have had something like Jace's defense.
2: Yeah. That's I, on I, your I'm, deck,
0: right? No. And he got to, like... He, like, tapped out for a Jace. And then I got to... I, I had cast Second Son. I threw the other one in on the game. So, I beat Control. Someone won. Yeah? I'm like, right. All right, feeling totally, good. Totally back in this. Feeling good. Next four rounds, I play against zombies, 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 and zombies. And they must have been copying the Grand
2: Prix anyway. They, Well, yeah. I crushed all of them. What's the difference between zombies and mono red? Haste? Yeah, right. But, and,
1: well, I mean, the zombies' creatures are way better. Yeah. But it's just haste. But red right? just has like, more haste and ways to get rid of blockers, I guess. I don't know. What, what, what are you blocking with? You have no creatures in your deck. So I'm, like red, I'm talking about red, contextually. What's interesting, red and, and black. Against right? my deck. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. Haste. Like
0: hazard. Hazard red is you know it is it's harder to deal with like hazard rate, but also fumigate is so much better against the zombies deck, right? Because they're just like amassing a board. I, I can just like, fumigate. How many descent upon the symbol? I have just one in the sideboard. The best. I know. I wish I had a second one. Do but you, I don't think it, it do might you have not an Approach
1: to the second one.
0: Um. Uh. So, I play against zombies for. So you're now final. you're five and one. Five and one, yeah. And I get, I get paired against red in the last round.
2: Uh, and you're
1: feeling
0: like I was garbage. like, oh, I'm like, but I was like, you know, I was like, I got the points I need to qualify for the invitational. Oh, so you're free rolling now. So I'm like free rolling, right? <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I really want to win. This. Uh, my opponent and I both mulliganed a six game one, but he got a little a little more flooded than I did. And I, and I got to like I, I glimmered one turn. I was stuck on six lands. I see two second suns. Like, I'll I'll keep both of these on
2: top. Wait, did you have enough land to cast? I had six lands. I didn't have seven. Tough. yeah. Is that right? I think so. So if I draw a
0: land, right? Yeah. I'm just like I can go. I was enough a high enough life where I can go second. Oh,
1: sun. you just run consecutives. Yeah. Got it.
0: Yeah, and then got I it. I didn't I didn't I didn't top take a land. Shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> But I got to like
1: control his board,
0: and then second son, second son, and then game two, I resolve a turn one authority of the consoles. Well, that's like so far and insane. Like he he casted he casted a pia one turn, game two life, insane. Undo your Falcon Wrath Gorgor attack.
1: Yeah, it's really good. I them. resolve. Do you ever have multiple in play? Uh, I didn't have multiple that game, but I, I'm just like I'm a four authority of the council guy index that can.
0: Yeah, I, I board. Yeah, board four in. Um, and then, like, I resolved to win Vol, I got a token, and he just, like, snap conceded. It's like, yeah, I can't win. There's no way. I ran, like, I ran him out of resources, like, even if he draws Hazard. But Miles ranched you when you guys were playing, right? Yeah. Miles is also just the best, berm, you know, best, like, red player I know. Other than you, Michael J.
1: Well, Miles didn't play a Braid, right? Which is insane. Yeah. But if you're playing against somebody who doesn't have Torrential Hulk then a it seems like you're a genius. Yeah. But if you're playing against a real blue-white deck, not having a braid seems horrendous. Um, agreed on all counts.
0: Agreed. <laughs> uh, so I made top eight. Me and Miles both made top eight. Uh, I lost to Emma Handy in the quarterfinals against Zombies. What was Emma playing? She was playing Zombies. Zombies. Uh, it was a good match. You know, I thought it was a good matchup for me. Uh, I saw no Wraths
1: either games. And you were up to five after sideboarding? Did
0: you up, go- up to six. So I had Hour of Revelation too. Oh, that card's pretty good. It's good because it kills their Liliana's
1: mastery. And yeah. if they bring in, like, a Liliana, if they, like, cut their, you know, their fatal pushes and grasps for their. Uh... So I was telling you the deck I made is actually great against your deck. And I was playing a match last night um, where I was, just like, a mile ahead. But I was just, like, was kind of dickering around. Like, I had 11 mana in play and I could have just traversed for Lulamog, for mm-hmm. but I didn't. I was just, like, accumulating material. Yeah. And I got Hour of Revelation for three Oblivion Sowers. Two, uh, two Raven Inspectors and, like, a uh, uh, Tireless Tracker and, like, 12 clues. Like, I just had, like, all these clues in play. And I was just like, like, I couldn't really lose, right? So I was just, like, just accumulating materials. That I thought it was hilarious to keep playing Oblivion Sowers. And then it was just, like, our of Revelation. And I was just, like, fine. Traverse Ulamog. Snap Concede. <laughs> okay. um, Oblivion Sowers. It's great against your...
0: We're getting off track here. All right. I'm saying <laughs> this deck is gas. Um, but Emma also played very well. She So there's a little bit of a non in the deck with Blessed Alliance and Aether Meltdown, right? So you always have to Blessed Alliance first to kill it before you get Aether Meltdown. Because they can sacrifice them. They can sacrifice, yeah. yeah. But a lot of opponents during the day didn't do that. They wouldn't attack with their Aether. They like, didn't read Aether Meltdown. Like, oh, okay, I just can't attack with this and didn't attack with it when they should have been. Uh, Emma... Always attack with the, their, their, with, uh, with her uh, aether meltdown creature. Got it. Always. Yeah. Always. Like, Respectable. Uh, the one turn I think I, I did misplay my game
1: one. So the, uh, so aether meltdown is like, let's talk about. It. Is this like sure. the right? Is definitely the right card to play because you're not an energy deck, right? So no, you don't some. need the energy. No, so but what you, are you getting out of it? I mean, like you could play like unqu-
0: uh, unquenchable thirst. Is that the card. I mean, there's a
1: lot of things there's a lot of things play, you could right, play. Right. Like you could be playing. Um, uh, just so it's the white and one that like n- nukes an attacking creature, and that pretty similar. I think, but you're you're going for the hazard though. You, but it doesn't even completely contain. First of all, your deck is among the least scared of hazard decks I've ever seen. Right? Like, sure. The play pattern is just like fumigate, go. They attack you, and you bless an alliance or cast out or whatever. Yeah. You could also be playing um, white, white one, the flash uh,
0: stasis there. Yeah. I think oh, I don't good. know. You
1: might have a lot of turns. Where you're like stuck on, you know. I mean, two is obviously stronger mark. than yeah. three. But like, I mean, you have unsummon also, right? I think unsummon's great against Hazoret. It's my favorite. Is if you if they have like two creatures, you unsummon the other guy and they can't attack with the Hazoret. That seems insane. Like like if they have like like Hazoret Glory Bringer and you're like boomerang the Glory Bringer. Mm-hmm. How hot is that one? It's like gain nine life on mana. Um. Uh. Yeah, but I just... Like, I mean, that's not sold on the meltdown because
2: before I was just like, I guess it's okay. But, like, you're not like drawing a card or anything. No. I mean, maybe Emily Angler might be better, but I don't know. I believed. Uh, I mean, the Nambo is. The,
1: the Nambo's there. Then, oh, let's mean, the Nambo's not going to cost me an F. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but against other opponents. Yeah, I mean, if I were playing on the Pro Tour, I have the expectation that people. Yeah, of course. Um, but I, I think I misplayed
0: my game one where I was stuck on six lands and I had approach in my hand. And I had a supreme will in my hand also. Against Emma. Yeah. And uh, I think I was at like a, a relatively lowish life total, maybe around like 12. Uh, but she only had like a, a, a crit breaker in play and like a token. Um, I had to like contain most of her, her board. But I supreme willed uh, and I took a land to cast my approach the next turn. Yeah. Um, and my my you know my, my goal in mind was I want to fire off this approach as fast as possible. So, yeah, to get it going. Get it going. But I think what I should have done was maybe just play Drago. But you're pressured right now, right? What was I, I wasn't going? pressured. I wasn't, like, totally pressured. So what ended up happening? You gained a bunch of life. So I, I, like, I, like, in Supreme World, I, I gained some life, put it in my library. And then Emma was able to, like, get a huge board in play. I didn't find any Fumigates, and I died. But why is it better...
1: So I think what I what I could have done you could have countered what, you could have inefficiently countered one threat. No,
0: no, not no, 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 than no, no, getting... no, Here, here's what I, I I'm saying. I, I should have done. Uh, I could have maybe held off on the, trying to find a land and just like see what I, what I draw and say the Supreme Will if I need to find a Fumigate to contain board and like
1: kind of restart and then like approach. But think of how good your situation is the way you played it. If all you do is draw another Supreme Will or a Glimmer. Like you just win the game then.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I was thinking that maybe I, I I should have like held off for like a turn or two and see like what she did and then see if I draw a land so I don't have to like waste a supreme will trying to find a land.
1: But like approach like if you have like ten mana or eleven mana, you have like approach glimmer or approach. Well I was stuck
0: kind on of six No, 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 I'm just yeah, saying yeah.
1: like in there's these games where it's like approach supreme will or approach glimmer just seem like unbeatable. Yeah. Like unless your opponent is playing heavy counter.
0: I don't know. I mean, I I, I didn't see like any, any... I didn't draw any fumigates. You didn't play against Blue Red, right? No. he's playing played against Jessica. But it it seems guy. like
1: Blue Red would be a horrendous man yeah. for you.
0: I played some games yesterday with a friend. And I got crushed. Yeah, like... Yeah. I think I need, like... I think I need to to the final word in my sideboard. I don't even
2: think. Why? It makes my approach encounterable. Yeah, but, like, they can just open This is a sideboard. Yeah. Like, what if they go, like, bringer, gods, right? Like they can, Like, who do you think wins between things of the Final one? Kefnet. But how many decks are playing
0: Caffnut? I mean, they're going to have sideboard cards. Right? Yeah, I know, but I, I think like the, the those blue red decks usually are are sideboarding in like they can't really remove. They can't really remove. No, they they'd have to keep in like our Devastation against my deck. And and they're it's, it's not even in? efficient. Yeah, I don't know. That's like acting one way you can combat those decks. Uh, anyway, so and then I lost. It was it was unfortunate, but like I, I I never wanna be like I was dissatisfied with not winning the tournament, but you know, I locked up my my next invite for the invitational in December. Miles also made top four, so we're both going to Roanoke, which is exciting.
1: And you're winning the queue in a week. Yeah. All right. Congratulations on your second classic topic. <laughs> I, of course, am a two-time consecutive FNM champion. Going for three times this week. I wish I was going to be there, but sadly I cannot. So don't go to your stupid anime, Can't. All right. Going to, D- to DC. No priority. All right. That was, what is it, the 16th episode of Ancestor Recall? I think 15th. I don't know. Lucky number 15 and or 16th episode of Ancestor, <laughs> Ancestor Recall. I'm Michael J. Flores. I'm Roman Fosco. If you love us, and if you're still listening to this, I can only assume that you do, please subscribe to our, you know... Cute little, iTunes. Cute little podcast on iTunes. Also, if you if you could leave, a, you know, a little note on iTunes, maybe a little five-star note, Roman would love it. And, you know, it would actually, I think, spur Roman on and inspire him and fill
2: his heart with joy and courage to defeat opponents with... Brett's as disparate as Eidolon of the
1: Great Revel. Yeah, yeah. To uh, Approach of the Second Sons. He's never won with any other cards. so <laughs> that's, that's the spread. And Brazella. And Brazella. <laughs> and Brazella. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Roman. All right, thanks. Goodbye,
2: Canada. Right.